0: Well, with most Canadian health experts expecting a second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic this winter, will Canadians continue to trust the advice of public health experts? Has the confusion over back-to-school plans eroded some of the trust we've had? With more, we're joined this morning by a professor in the Department of Philosophy at the University of Guelph, Maya Goldenberg. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's talk about the importance of us trusting our health officials, particularly right now, and and what might happen should some of that trust be eroded as we move into the winter months?
1: Well, our public health officials are supposed to be the sources of of the best information, the information that we need to make good choices uh, during the pandemic to keep ourselves uh, and our communities safe. Um, But the same way we need to trust uh, public health, they also need to be perceived as trustworthy. So I want to make sure that this is understood as a a two-way issue. Uh, Public health needs to keep giving reliable information and um, the the public should be able to uh, assess it as as trustworthy.
2: And these public health officers, they have the credentials and, uh, you know, they know their stuff. But it's got to be an interesting dynamic within their position because they, they're here to serve the public, but they also serve the government. And, and, and that's a, a bit of a conundrum, isn't it?
1: Right. And that's a difficult position that public health officers are put in. On the one hand, they are part of the government body. On the other hand, as scientists, they're supposed to be removed from the politics. They're certainly not using their public health credentials to further a political agenda. Until now, we saw good examples of this. Dr. Hinshaw has done a really good job of making herself present and available to the public. And there's been a lot of public trust in her for that reason. She wavered a little bit uh, over back to school when, uh, when there was that uh, walk back on social distancing around classrooms. I know that's a big issue in Alberta right mm-hmm. now. Um, and why that was a big issue is that there was a perception, whether it's true or not, we still remains to be seen, but there was a perception by the public that her role as a scientist and her duty towards uh, towards the government were getting uh, too close. She's supposed to be giving us the most accurate scientific information, not furthering government agenda. And there was suddenly this moment where the public became concerned that that the roles were being blurred.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You're correct on that. I think that is, you know, right now it still is. We're just not quite sure. Perhaps was Jason Kenney behind some of that messaging and and did that erode a little bit of the trust? So what 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 do the, the health officials need to do moving forward? Just continue to, to say you know what they say in terms of scientific evidence, but also do they need to continue to point out I serve at the the behest of of the government and politicians? Um,
1: they need to be clear about what's informing their directives. If 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 uh, Dr. Hinchey knows maintaining that she wasn't doing anything sort of questionable when she stepped back on social distancing. Well, it sounds like the public needs a little more explanation of why that is the case, because we have heard a lot about social distancing since the start of the pandemic. So this is her opportunity to come out and uh, justify herself. And as uh, a public figure, it is reasonable for public figures to need to justify themselves uh, when the public demands some kind of accountability. So this is her moment to regain that trust by explaining her actions. Uh, coming out and saying, I work for the government is not going to <laughs> restore the gov- restore that. Um, I'm, and I'm sure she wouldn't say something like that. She would probably want to say something like, I, I am, I am of course employed, uh, by the government. I, I advise the government, but here are the checks that are in place to make sure that I'm not merely Uh, parroting uh, a political agenda that I'm actually serving the public interest with uh, rigorous and helpful scientific advice.
2: The public health officer and the position, this has to be, and it's cliche to say unprecedented, but it is an unprecedented time in that they're thrust so much into the, the forefront and I, I challenge a lot of people to name the public health officer of their, uh, you know, province over the past several years. Yeah. B- besides right now, when you mentioned a Bonnie Henry or a Dina Hinshaw, could it be part of the issue is just the amount of information like we're hearing from these officers several times a week and uh, at the beginning of the pandem- pandemic every day?
1: Uh, it, it goes both ways. On the one hand, the amount of public exposure that our public health and chief medical officers have been getting have actually... Um, result in a noticeable increase in public trust uh, towards scientific experts and scientific bodies. There's there's a lot of tracking of these kind of things, uh, a polls that are done on how much do Canadians trust scientists, like that kind of thing. And it was noticed in the early months of of the COVID pandemic lockdown that there was an increase in in public trust. So when people said, "Who do you get your COVID information from? Who do you rely on for?" For health advice, there were more people saying public health offices than than prior. So that was a that was a good thing for uh, for uh, uh, experts and for scientists who who've suffered over the years. Right? Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a constant degrading of trust in scientists and, and trust in in experts. So this, this seems like a good thing. So putting yourself out there uh, makes you more exposed. It can increase trust. Uh, and uh, this feeling of uh, kinship between the publics and the scientific officer, on the other hand, if you don't do it well, it can also uh, engender mistrust, like we see this misstep around around school uh, school um, reopening, mm-hmm. so they need to walk a fine line they need to embrace the publicity because it's actually helpful for the public health agenda but they also need to do it really really well.
0: I would agree with you and and a distrust in in science as a whole seems to be on the rise of late not just the scientists but you also you were quoted in a recent article in the Toronto Star talking about why this trust is so important too as we move forward and get towards a vaccine.
1: Um, Public health can't really do its work unless they get a lot of buy-in from the public so the the work so my my background is i do i do work on vaccine hesitancy i've spent years looking at why it is that uh that some parents are not trusting of recommendations around vaccinating their children and uh and it always points to an issue of of public trust public health cannot do its work unless they've got buy-in from the public so it's not just about Having really the best science, but it's also about convincing the public that their directives are the ones that that they need to follow. So that was true before uh, COVID, and it's going to remain that way. So if you are somehow squandering the public trust, let's say getting uh, getting scientists involved in scandals or giving direction on school reentry that seems overly political, then you lose that public trust, and you need that later on when we do, you know, when flu season comes around and we're going to want people to get influenza vaccine, uh, when a COVID vaccine comes and we're going to want high coverage of that. You need to bank on that public trust. And, and public trust is a precarious thing. You have, to, you have to earn it and you have to maintain it.
2: Thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. That is Professor Maya Goldenberg in the Department of Philosophy at the University of Guelph. And I can't say enough good things about Dr. Dina Hinshaw. I mean, and, and and to Agree. my to my point in my uh, I think the second last question we had with Maya there, um, when you're on that much you're gonna you know be you know maybe make a misstep or have things misconceived, because there's so much information out there.
0: And she really has been so solid, and really at the beginning of this when there was so much confusion, and we just didn't know what was happening. There she was, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, as the voice of reason here in this province. And I think because she spoke so calmly and Mm -hmm. slowly and with such authority, it really helped us all feel better and and feel positive and, and know that we were in good hands, and I think we still are.
2: And who would want to have that job? Ugh.
0: She earned a bonus, I think.
2: Somebody get her an ice cream cake.
0: (laughs) You're not kidding. It's 6.17. It's time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, a community connected to its city
2: following McLeod Trail out of Walden and Chaparral, you've got an 18-minute drive into downtown. The only real slowdown that I'm seeing is uh, just past Heritage Drive for that ongoing bridge work. A little bit bumpy getting across that bridge deck, but uh, Elbow Drive, 14th Street, both great options up to Glenmore. Blackfoot Trail, I'm seeing a delay-free drive so far all the way between Deerfoot and Southland Drive. Deerfoot Trail itself, a nine-minute drive southbound off the QE2 from Airdrie down towards Memorial Drive, and northbound lane sitting pretty wide open so far from Stony Trail out of Mackenzie Town and McKenzie Lake up towards 17th Avenue, but we'll definitely keep an eye on it. It's been pretty busy this whole week. Don't settle for less than 99% coverage. With TELUS, you get far better mobile coverage in Alberta than with Shaw's Freedom Network. Visit telus.com network for the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter. I'm Brady Howard.